Morning, everyone. There we go. Back in the room. It's wonderful, and I don't say this lightly, it's wonderful to be here again. I feel like I've not been here for ages. So it's nice to see all these smiling faces looking back at me. It's lovely to be here. Forgive me if I'm a little bit rusty, because I feel like I've not done it in a little while, but we'll see how we go. I'm getting used to, actually, coming back from holiday, I'm getting used to loads of things again, like the weather not being quite as warm as it was when I was away. I'm getting used to going back into work every day again. I'm getting used to wearing long trousers instead of shorts. It breaks me, honestly. It breaks me. But we're getting there slowly and surely. I'm, um, I'm going to pick up uh, where, where we left off. We're in John chapter 14. Uh, and I've got a f- oh, just a few verses today. But I'm not, I'm, I'm not afraid to admit there are verses for me, the tough ones. So, as I say, we'll see how we go. It's John chapter 14, and I'm only reading verses 12 to 14, okay? So if you've got a Bible, follow along. I was going to say they will be up on the screen, but already up on the screen. Sheldon's a step ahead of me again. And this is what it says. It says, truly, truly, this is Jesus talking, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Amen. Not a lot there, is there? Not many verses, not many words, but I don't mind telling you that I find this tough. You see, let me give you a little bit of context, and I'm sure if you've been here, you will know the context already, but let let me remind you. These verses on prayer occur in the context of Jesus giving encouragement and comfort to his disciples. They're distraught. They're upset. They were troubled. Why were they troubled? Well, if you remember, they've just found out that he's going to leave them. They've just found out that Jesus is going to leave them. They've found out that one of them is going to betray him. They've found out that Peter is going to deny him. So they're troubled. So these words from Jesus are in the context of providing comfort and encouragement to his disciples. He tells them that after he is gone, they will do greater works than he. He tells them that if they ask anything in his name, he will do it. So for us, Jesus' words in these verses should encourage and comfort us. But here's the problem. Or at least for me, here's the problem. Here's my problem. I get up every day. And I don't ever get up and think, I'm doing greater than Jesus did. Now, 
If you're in the camp that gets up every day and says, I'm doing greater than Jesus did, then good on you. But I'm not. I struggle. I can't say that whatever I've asked Jesus to do, he's always done it. I can't say that I'm walking around doing greater things than I read about Jesus doing in the Gospels. And yet, these words are written in John chapter 14, verses 12 to 14. They're in Scripture, they're in the Bible. And what do we know about the Bible? It's God breathed. All Scripture is God breathed. It's useful, it's true for teaching, for all kinds of things. I'm not going to go and read the verse, but we believe it to be true without error. So therefore, I can't ignore these verses, nor can any of you. I'm going to tell you as well that there are similar verses to this elsewhere. It's not just in John chapter 14. We're going to get to John chapter 15 eventually. There's more in there, similar John chapter 16, there's more in there. If you read 1 John chapter 5, there's more in there. If you go and read Matthew 21, there's more in there. There are also parallels in Mark 11 and Luke 16. So it's not just here that we see this, where Jesus says these things. I want to tell you another problem I have with these verses. I know it sounds like I've got a lot of problems at the moment, but we will get to the good bits, honestly. I hear people use these verses to say, name it and claim it. Say that you want money and you'll have it. Say that you want healing and you'll be healed on the spot. And the problem I have with that is that when it doesn't happen in the way a person prays, that person gets told it's because you lack faith. And that breaks my heart when I, when I hear that, when I see that. I struggle. I struggle with that. And that might be me. And I don't mind admitting it, but it kills me. That said, we'll get into the verses. You see, the idea of this text, the idea of these verses is really, really, really easy to say. It's easy to state it. It's exactly what it says on the tin. Ask whatever you will in my name and I will do it. But it's not easy to understand. Easy to say, but not easy to understand. Easy to say things like, well, Jesus said I'm going to do greater things, so I will. But not easy to understand how. That first verse that we read, verse 12 Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. Who is Jesus? He's God. God manifest on earth in human form. But as well as that, he's also the head of his body. Who's Jesus' body? The church. That's us those of us that belong to him. And as his body, we are to carry on the works that he did when he was on earth. 
And we read that in other parts of Scripture. As his body, we are to carry on the works that he started when he was on earth. And Jesus' works include his miracles. In John's Gospel, John calls them signs, doesn't he? The miracles. They were part of Jesus' works. They were things that Jesus did. But they don't include everything that Jesus did. You see, Jesus also, his works, was everything that he taught. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Marie. I've got two cups. Two cups of water now. I'm doing well. I'm good. Jesus' works, yes, were his miracles, but was also the things that he taught. Also the things that he did in obedience to the Father. You see, John 17, I'm going to skip on it a, a little bit. John 17, verse 4, sums up Jesus' ministry. It says this. He's praying. In John 17, Jesus is praying. And this is what he says. I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. That's Jesus praying to God the Father, saying, I glorified you, God the Father, here on earth. Why? Because I did the stuff that you gave me to do. Those were Jesus' works. Yes, his miracles, but also all his teaching. Also all the things he did in obedience to the Father. The way he lived his entire life was his works. So if we are doing the works that Jesus did, and Jesus says even greater works than these, it would seem that we should be doing miracles, or seeing miracles work through us, we should be living in complete dependence on God the Father. And we should be obeying him in all things. We should be demonstrating God's love and God's mercy. And we should be confronting those religious errors of our day. You see, Jesus did all these things and more. All these things and more he did. I think Jesus gives us a clue as to what he means in his explanation of why his disciples should do greater works. I think he gives us a clue. I think it's right at the end of that verse. He says, because I go to the Father. Because I go to the Father. You see, the greater works that we, that Jesus says we will do, are directly linked to him going to the Father. Directly linked in what he says. Because what happened when Jesus went to the Father? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Because Jesus went to the Father, he promised that when he returned to the Father, he would send the Holy Spirit in his place. To each one who believed, to each one who belonged to him. He would send the Holy Spirit to indwell and empower. And so the greater works that the disciples would do and that we would do are the direct result of the Holy Spirit working in and through us. Those are the greater works. The things that the Holy Spirit does 
through God's people. Now, that might include miracles. That might include teaching. That might include showing God's love to people. That might include confronting religious error. That might include all these things that Jesus did and more. But that's the Holy Spirit at work through Jesus' people. It doesn't necessarily mean that we're all walking around every day raising people from the dead. I want you to look in the Bible at when miracles occur, mostly. They tend to occur in clusters at certain times. Mainly at times when God's message needed to be authenticated. When God needed to show that what was being said about him was true. And these include the times surrounding the Exodus, the times of Elijah and Elisha, Daniel's time, the time of Jesus, the time of the apostles. You see, reading Acts, we read some pretty spectacular miracles that take place in Acts with both Peter and Paul. But we also read that Paul, things like Paul advising Timothy to drink a little wine for his, for his frequent stomach problems, that wasn't one that he claimed a healing by faith on. He gave very practical advice. In 2 Timothy, Paul leaves Trophimus sick at Miletus, doesn't miraculously heal him. And yet Paul has healed miraculously, or God has healed miraculously through Paul previously. Paul also in his own life never claimed deliverance from execution, prison. And yet based on the things that he'd experienced from God, you would think, well, God's more than capable of that. So whilst God at times, I suppose what I'm trying to say is, whilst God at times does spectacular miracles to authenticate his word, it's not like we have a magic wand that we carry around with us and go, miracle here, miracle there, miracle wherever we want it. It's not commonplace, as we would say. But we should never doubt. We should never, ever doubt. If it is God's will... It can be done. He can do whatever he wants. Whether we consider it miraculous, supernatural, or not. If it's his will, it can be done. Through his people. So these greater works that Jesus refers to, what are they? Don't forget it's directly linked to Jesus going to the Father and the Holy Spirit being present. You see, for me, the greater works that Jesus' people will do through the power of the Holy Spirit is about transforming lives. It's about the spread of the gospel. It's about salvation. Think about the amazing miracle of salvation in each and every believer. You will all those of you that belong to Jesus, those who are born again, you will all have your own experience of Jesus in your life. Think about that and how miraculous that is to you. 
It tells us in in Scripture that through Peter's preaching on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 were born again. That's probably more than Jesus ever saw born again throughout his whole ministry on earth. The book of Acts tells us about how the gospel message spreads and kept spreading, first around Jerusalem and eventually to the Gentiles around the Roman Empire. So Jesus uses us, those that belong to him, to spread his good news, to spread his gospel, to talk, uh, you know, as, as Bob and Pat have got to do tomorrow, to talk about Christ. That opportunity presented again. We are doing the works that Jesus did. Those of us that belong to him, we are doing the works that Jesus did. And even greater works in the sense that the new covenant is better than the old one. The gospel message of Jesus and his truth and his love is, a great, is the greatest work we can ever do. And you're blessed when you have that opportunity to be able to share Jesus with someone. And if we want to talk about the word greater, then these works that we do and others have done are greater in number. They're greater in geographic spread than the works Jesus did in his three years. The link to the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit being at work. Greater works done through His Spirit. And then in the next few verses, He tells us how that Spirit is empowered. And it'll be no surprise, I hope, to hear that it's through prayer. Just as Sim, you know, 10 minutes ago, was stood up here talking about the importance of prayer. So too we hear it direct from Jesus. He says, Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. You see, in these verses we see the extent, the basis, and the point and the result of Jesus' promise. You see... When Jesus says he'll do whatever we ask in his name, he's not saying that he'll do any crazy thing that we can dream up. As long as we tag on the end, I pray in Jesus' name that this be the case. That's not what he's saying. You see, prayer isn't a means of us getting, you know, God to give us what we want. That's not what prayer's about. It's not so that we can, you know, prayer isn't about us being comfy. You know, the, you know all those, the, those prayers that people probably wouldn't share in church, like, you know, God, make sure I'm all right. Make sure I don't have to struggle. They're hard to say those prayers, but I, I, people will say them. But that's not what prayer is about. That's not what Jesus says. And by the way, I'm not saying that we shouldn't pray to be comfortable. That's not what I'm saying at all. 
But prayer isn't a means of getting God to give us whatever we want. That's the point. What Jesus says is that prayer is the means by which we ask God to extend his kingdom and his will on earth. That's what Jesus says. We've said it this morning. You probably haven't even kind of recognized that you've said it, but you said it in the Our Father. That's exactly what Jesus said to pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what Jesus says prayer is about. Yeah, there's a place for asking God to meet needs, absolutely. But the centre of all that we pray should be that. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. In prayer, we're to submit to God's will. We're to ask him to accomplish his will through us. We should be asking God to extend the gospel, to glorify his name around the world. Ephesians 3, 20, what does that say? It says, we should ask him to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. And yet we need to keep in mind that his ways are not our ways. That his thoughts are far greater than our thoughts. So although we don't often understand why God doesn't do exactly what we ask, we should trust him. We should pray big prayers for his kingdom. We should pray big prayers for his will to be done on earth. And then leave it to him. When you think about it, what Jesus says here, whatever you ask is pretty unlimited. Whatever you ask in accordance with his will, that he will do. And that's a promise. Whatever we ask in accordance with his will, he will do. What's the basis of his promise? He says it's in my name. That's the basis on which he says, look, because you're praying in my name. To ask something in Jesus' name is means that we come to the Father through him. We put our petitions to God the Father through Jesus. That's what he means when he says pray in my name. He is our high priest. He is our intercessor. He is the one sat at the right hand of God the Father on our behalf. To ask in Jesus' name is to recognise that name as being above all others. To ask in Jesus' name is to recognise that he alone has the power to do the things that we ask. And in Ephesians chapter 1, it tells us in this age and the age to come. It's not just now, it's forever. He has the power to answer. 
We ask God to be gracious because we are in His Son. We're born again, we're in His Son. We're seeking His will. And we ask submissively, or we should ask submissively, acknowledging that we might not understand God's will. We might not get it. But we trust. We trust in the promises of Jesus. We trust in Jesus' name. And so we ask in accordance with his will, and he will do it. No matter how difficult it might seem to you or I, he will do it. He might not do it in the way we expect. He might not do it in the time that we expect. But he will do it. If we ask in Jesus' name for something to be done in accordance with God's will, he promises it will be done. What's the point? Why? Why does Jesus say these things? Well, this one's quite straightforward. The point of it is that the Father will be glorified. The Father will be glorified in His Son. That's a further condition that governs whatever we ask in prayer. That our desire should be to see God glorified through the name of the Lord Jesus. That should be our heart in whatever we ask. So when we pray for someone to be healed, the desire is, yes, that that person be healed, but the desire should really be that God will be glorified through it because we're praying in the name of Jesus that that will be done. We're asking that it's in accordance with his will and that his name will be lifted up and that God will be glorified through it. That's the point. It's not just that we all get what we want. It's not just that we all get some evidence to support the fact that we come to church on a Sunday. I go to church on a Sunday because I could go and pray and God will do this for me. That's not the point. The point is that God will be glorified through the things that we ask in Jesus' name. That's what he says. And the result, when all of those things come together, the result's amazing. The result's a simple one when all of those things come together, but it's amazing. He says, I will do it. When all of those things are aligned, I promise you, Jesus says, I will do it. Whatever you ask, in my name, for the glory of God, It's an incredible promise. An incredible promise. Again, one of those things that's really easy for me to stand up here and say, but really hard for me to understand. The result of our praying should be that Jesus does it. That should be the ultimate result. He has the power to answer whatever we ask. But that's where it gets difficult, isn't it? that's where we start to ask questions because many of our prayers seemingly don't get answered in the way that we expect so then we start to question ourselves 
Am I praying in line with God's will? What am I doing? Where are my thoughts? Where is my heart? It's tough. But again, that should be one of our prayers. And is regularly. In fact, I think Sim said it before up here. He prayed that when we pray, our prayers would be in line with God's will. That the Holy Spirit would lead us into praying for those things that will glorify God in Jesus' name. That should be one of our prayers. So that we don't waste our thoughts, so that we don't waste our words on stuff that's not in His will anyway. I can't totally resolve the problem of people not knowing about when they pray, whether it's in line with God's will or not. But what I can do is say, pray about it. And God honours those prayers because we've just heard it. When you pray in line with his will and you ask in Jesus' name, Jesus says, I will do it. So if you ask God and say, when I pray, God, I want to pray in accordance with your will so that you are glorified and I'm asking you in Jesus' name, there's only one answer to that prayer. Jesus says, I will do it. I will honour that prayer. You see, we can know God's desire, but we can't always know what he decides. And what I mean by that is, I'll give you an example. God desires that all people would repent of their sins and be saved. He desires that. That's what it says in Scripture. But he hasn't decided that that is going to happen. He hasn't decided that everyone will repent of their sins and be saved. So we know his desire, but we don't know what he's decided. Do you see what I'm saying? We can know his, what he, what, we can know his desire, but we can't always know the decision that he makes relating to that desire. You see, God desires that we all glorify him by living holy lives, but we also know that he permits sin. Sin happens. The second thing I want, I'm, I'm coming to the end, but just before, just before I close, second thing that Jesus' promise to do whatever we ask does not undermine the scriptures that tell us to wait on the Lord. In fact, they support them. Jesus doesn't say when he's going to do something. He just says he will. And it's our job to ask and to wait. God may be glorified in us faithfully waiting on him for years. Or he may be glorified in acting in a second. And we've got examples of both. In fact, we've got exam the example of Amir being a pretty quick example. But then there are other examples where people have prayed and prayed and prayed for years and years and years, faithfully having to wait on God. And then ultimately God is glorified through that as well. The glorification of God might even come from our prayers long after we're gone. We might not ever see it. We might not ever know it until we're there with him. 
But Psalm 27 says, wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. God's purpose will be fulfilled. Not necessarily in your timing. But it will be fulfilled. He sometimes accomplishes his purposes in ways that seem backwards to us. We pray for the gospel to spread, don't we? And then we see persecution. In some parts of the world more than others. We pray for strength, but then God makes us weak in order that we rely on his strength. Jesus told Peter that Satan had demanded permission to sift him like wheat, but that Jesus had prayed for Peter. What would you have prayed for Peter? I'm fairly certain I would have prayed that Peter be spared from denying Jesus. But Jesus didn't pray that. Jesus prayed that after Peter would be restored. That was Jesus' prayer. Jesus knew Peter was going to deny him. He didn't pray to God the Father to say, please don't let Peter deny me. What he said was, what he prayed was, that afterwards Peter would be restored. You see, we don't know his mind. We don't know his ways. His ways are different to us, certainly different to mine. His ways are different to ours. We can't understand all that God is doing. So we have to accept that sometimes we just might not know. We don't have all the knowledge about how God works in response to our prayers. But we can pray, like in Ephesians, that he would do far more than we could even ask through us. And if things don't go or aren't going exactly as you've prayed, trust him. Trust him that, you know, even if in this life you don't see the answer, trust him. Because at least in eternity you will understand. You will see how he answered and how he used you to do these greater works than he did, that he talked about. It will all become clear in the end. It's all through him. It's all his Holy Spirit. We've just got to do as he says to do. Ask the question. Ask it for God's glory. Ask it in the name of Jesus. And he will do it. He promises. Amen. Amen. Father, we just thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for its truth. Lord, we thank you that those, that those promises you make to us, we can stand upon, we can hold firm to. Lord, we thank you that, that when we ask for those things in your name, that you will be glorified, you will answer those prayers, Lord. Forgive us for when we demand them being done in our time or in our way. Help us to trust more, Lord, in your provision, in your good and perfect way of doing things. Father, bless us as we go from this place this morning. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.